happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Bean Dad. The Dress, 30 to 50 feral hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everyone, and welcome to It Could Happen Here. Uh, Once again, hosted by myself, Andrew, uh, along with the rest of the crew. (laughs) Mia and James. All right. And today, I want to take a minute to talk about Ubuntu and not the Linux software, but (laughs) the African (laughs) philosophy. Ubuntu is a philosophical concept, for those who don't know, derived from some of the diverse and dispersed indigenous traditions of the roughly 360 million Bantu-speaking peoples of Africa. Bantu, coming from the Zulu word for people, is a language family spoken by approximately 400 distinct ethnic groups and split into approximately 440 and 680 distinct languages slash dialects, born as a result of the great Bantu migrations that occurred in two major waves about 3,000 and 2,000 years ago across Central, East, and South Africa. Contrary to the maxim, I think, therefore I am, Ubuntu, roughly translated from the Gunibantu languages like Osa and Zulu, means humanity, and more specifically, humanity towards others. I am because you are. There are, of course, various names for the concept from language to language and ethnic group to ethnic group, including Boto, Muntu, Omundu, Bato, Utu, etc. But Ubuntu is definitely the most prominent and internationally recognized. According to the African Journal of Social Work, Ubuntu is a collection of values and practices that people of Africa or of African origin view as making people authentic human beings. Rather, nuances of these values and practices vary across different ethnic groups. They all point to one thing. An authentic individual human being is part of a larger and more significant relational, communal, societal, environmental, and spiritual world. 
this of course is not unique to Africa um, or to any specific culture or to any specific ethnic group. I think we'll find these sort of mirroring uh, ideas uh, in a variety of contexts because I think it really is something that's fundamentally human. But I think it is good to look at how these ideas have manifested in those more specific contexts. I mean, in the oral literature of South Africa, Ubuntu has been in existence from as early as the mid-19th century. Uh, the reported translations for the team have covered the field of human nature, humanness, humanity, virtue, goodness, and kindness. And so it's meant to be a sort of a parallel to the abstract idea of humanity. As a philosophy or as a worldview, uh, Ubuntu really was popularized in the beginning of the 1950s, most notably in the writings of Jordan Kushngumane, published in the African Drum Magazine. From then into the 1970s, Ubuntu began to be used as a specific form of African humanism, because, of course, in that 60s and 70s period, you had a lot of Afrocentric and Pan-African and um, Black power ideas coming to prominence around the world. This, of course, also coincided with the period of decolonization, or rather formal political independence that was taking place in the 1960s, uh, and this desire for these newly independent countries to pursue uh, Africanization, to sort of let go of some of the symbolic aspects of colonial rule. Of course, that process has not really been complete, and in many ways, the post-colonial status is equivalent to the colonial status, but in some ways, some leaders were trying to pursue uh, sort of a new African-specific humanism as a philosophy for the burgeoning countries at the time. Is this a part of the episode where we tell everyone to read Fanon again? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> read Fanon, read Césaire. What I found interesting is that this, this term, Ubuntu, this idea of Ubuntu, particularly found its, uh, it was particularly picked up in Zimbabwe and in South Africa in a very specific context where there was a transition to majority rule. In 1980, Ubuntuism or Hunhuism was presented as the political ideology of the newly independent Zimbabwe. Um, a guy named Stan Lake, J.W.T. Samkange, um, published a treatise, basically, on Hunhuism or Ubuntuism, a Zimbabwe indigenous political philosophy. And he was basically trying to outline what the three major maxims that shape this philosophy should be. Uh, of course, I would note that his interpretation, being a statesman, was notably hierarchical. But for the reasons I will go into a bit later, I don't believe that it makes the core of Ubuntu necessarily hierarchical. Uh, but the three maxims that he had in mind for Ubuntuism or Hunhuism was that to be human is to affirm one's humanity by recognizing the humanity of others and on that basis establishing respectful human relations with them. The second maxim means that if and when one is faced with a decisive choice between wealth and the preservation of life of another human being, then one should opt for the preservation of life. And then the third maxim um, 
says that the king owed his status, including all the powers associated with it, to the will of the people under him. As I think that's where you get most prominently the sense of um, hierarchy that would pervade certain interpretations of Ubuntu. This idea of a sort of a benevolent rulership, uh, that these benevolent statesmen and kings and well, prime ministers or presidents, that they would, uh, they would just exercise in the will of the people. And of course, this is a mythology that is interpreted and reinterpreted across various different regimes. In South Africa, in the 1990s, Ubuntu as a concept was used as sort of a guiding ideal for the transition from apartheid to majority rule. I think around this time is when the international community started to hear more about the term Ubuntu, uh, particularly as it appears in the epilogue of the Interim Constitution of South Africa, published in 1993. There's a need for understanding, but not for vengeance, a need for reparation, but not for retaliation, a need for Ubuntu, but not for victimization. End quote. Of course... As we see in South Africa today, that didn't play out very well. The understanding has not uh, reached that point. Reparations has not fully been achieved. Um, and there's, a, I would say, a distinct lack of Ubuntu. Yeah, they kind of brought in Bank of America instead, which <laughs> didn't go great. Uh, yeah. They do. It's very... Um, it's very big. Oh, it, it, in Kenya, Rwanda, it's Ubuntu, I think. Um, but like, it, you'll see the phrase or the, that word a lot around Rwanda. And like, if you go to the Kigali Genocide Memorial Museum, you'll see it a lot there. Um, right. And like, that is a country that has, uh, with some authoritarian issues, like ha- has put aside the differences which had previously uh, allowed the genocide to happen. I guess. I think that's fair to say. Yes. Yes. That's with the um, Tutsi and the Hutu, yeah, yeah, and the yeah. Twa who often get missed out. Um, the, the, yeah, but uh, they, yeah, Real that tragedy, it, yeah, terrible, terrible thing. If, if people ever go to Rwanda, I would highly recommend going to Rwanda. Like the Kigali Genocide Memorial Museum is an important thing to. It's a very, very well curated museum of, yeah, like you said, a terrible, terrible thing that happened. In South Africa, um, the transition to democracy and Nelson Mandela's presidency in 1994, um, like I said, really brought the term to more well-known outside use. Um, and one of the people who was a main, main proponent of that was Desmond Tutu, who was the chairman of the South African Truth and Reconciliation Commission and also um, a preacher he sort of uh, advocated uh, an Ubuntu theology that was really formative in the development of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. Um, He sort of moved the idea of Ubuntu from simply an African philosophy based on African values of community and kinship to Christian values and identity with the creator God. Um, It was a sort of a strategy in an attempt to recover from the pains and brokenness of apartheid, Um, you know, anchoring Ubuntu into into the Christian ideals of forgiveness and reconciliation as gifts from God for peaceful communal coexistence. Um, 
and I'm hopefully not being too offensive when I say this. Um, to me, that's a quintessential example of how Christian pacification hampers decolonization efforts because I've seen often that that Christian notion of forgiveness and reconciliation turns the blame onto the victims for not forgiving and expects little to nothing from the offender, except maybe an apology. Often it's not even any restitution or reparations. And so for all the talk of Ubuntu, uh, theological Ubuntu and otherwise, um, the situation in South Africa is still very much whack. And I think that that idea that, oh, well, this is, is in the past, it's over, get over it kind of thing is problematic and it's something that needs to be resolved with any sort of decolonization that's going to take place. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to $1,500 again sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in Ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park that's 1-800-GAMBLER Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Right, so putting aside the theological applications, somewhat problematic theological applications, the Ubuntu worldview is echoed in some senses worldwide. You know, social ecology, buen vivir, mutual aid, all these concepts point to our interconnectedness as people uh, and really point to the interconnectedness that we have as people that our systems are most certainly not built to support. 
we see that we see that in capitalism. You know, capitalism doesn't embrace the interconnectedness of all people. It places us in opposition with one another. It atomizes us. It individualizes us. It alienates us from people, uh, from ourselves and from others. So we must compete and stuff for the sake of survival. Um, alienation, of course, in a capitalist context, referring to our separation of our abilities from ourselves, making us into mere tools for the use and benefit of our bosses. I know the workplace is definitely not something that we have is, that is based on mutual aid or Ubuntu, you know? Rather than working together, working harmoniously, having access to the means of production uh, and sharing in an equally um, place and situation of, of feud, of competition, of struggling constantly uh, and being squeezed and wrung out for whatever uh, our bosses can get from us. Yeah, it's when you said like earlier that uh, one of the key tenets was re- like recognizing humanity in other people affirms your own humanity. Um, I might be paraphrasing that, but like that's exactly yeah. what capitalism doesn't do. It just sees people as, as a, as a, like a, a tool to to create more capital or to create more more income. Like it, it doesn't recognize humanity. It, it sees you as a means, not an ends, right? Exactly, and I mean. Unlike in a communal system where your service to others, you know, it's mutual, it's reciprocal, it's voluntary. We find ourselves in a situation where we must give away our labor, our time, and really our whole lives just to survive. But that giving is not done uh, out to the goodness of our hearts or, <laughs> yeah. or as part of a system, a, a, a sort of a network of support, a safety net, uh, or anything. It's just clawing towards survival you know disconnected from the well-being of the whole yeah very much so everything around us has been you know manufactured it's been transported it's been assembled and sold by other people right people just like us workers just like us um those people have lives just like ours they have all the same struggles that we do um but instead of relating to these people instead of freely sharing the fruits of our labor we relate into the things that we have to buy and we don't see the working people behind them. Yeah. I think another aspect of it uh, is that, which I f- find particularly strange about, you know, the Hunhuism or Ubuntuism that um, Sam Kange was trying to uh, advocate is that I don't believe that Ubuntu or mutual aid um, or any of the principles that Ubuntu espouses is something that the state is compatible with. Um, I don't think the state is compatible with the acknowledgement of one's responsibility to their fellow humans and the world around them. You know, the state is built on exclusion, on domination, on deprivation, on the hierarchical division of the state, generating this sort of inequality in decision-making power and influence over our own affairs. It's about depriving certain people and elevating others Whereas Ubuntu is supposed to be about the importance of the humanity of both the individual and the community and about how all people are connected in a way that is meant to support and add to and contribute and glean and service one another, if that makes sense. You know, like the idea of this sort of community where everyone is giving and sharing and taking and everybody has something to contribute to this human whole, I feel like there's something that's lost when 
that whole is disrupted by certain people being elevated to a status of having more power uh, over others. I mean, part of that humanity has to entail freedom to self-organize, freedom to associate, freedom to disassociate, decision-making power, autonomy. You know, otherwise, what kind of humanity is that really? How can people access their full humanity in themselves if they're being deprived by others? And how can those others who are depriving certain people have access to their full humanity when they're depriving others? If you get what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, I think that's perfectly right. Yeah, and I mean, pretty much the same thing with um, the system, I mean, with, like, with the capitalism, with the state, I mean, with patriarchy, which also elevates some people above others and denies those marginalized others full access to their humanity. Um, all of us are restricted in some ways from understanding ourselves uh, in ourselves and through others by the ideology and system of patriarchy. And of course, this goes out saying, but what could be more incompatible with Ubuntu than colonialism? You know, it doesn't simply deny the humanity of those that exploit, but it also strips the humanity, the exploiters. I mean, as Amos Azale, my reference to earlier, wrote in Discourse on Colonialism, colonization works to de-civilize the colonizer, to brutalize him in the sense of the in the true sense of the word, to degrade him and to awaken him to buried ex- instincts, to covetousness, violence, race hatred, and moral relativism. And we must show that each time a head is cut off or an eye put out in Vietnam and in France, they accept the fact each time a little girl is assaulted and in France they accept the fact each time a Madagascan is tortured and in France they accept the fact civilization acquires another dead weight a universal regression takes place a gangrene sets in a center of infection begins to spread and that at the end of all these treaties treaties that have been violated all these lies that have been propagated all these punitive expeditions that have been tolerated all these prisoners who have been tied up and interrogated, all these patriots who have been tortured, at the end of all the racial pride that has been encouraged, all the boastfulness that has been displayed, a poison has been instilled into the veins of Europe, and slowly but surely, the continent proceeds towards savagery. Powerful words, as usual, from Cesare. That was great. Yeah. That was very good. Yeah. So, I mean, I think there's a lot of potential in the interpretation of Ubuntu, right? Which is both a flaw and a strength. And when I get into the criticism a bit more, you'll see why. But regardless, of course, there is value to be gleaned from indigenous understandings. There's power in finding our roots to secure our future. And whether in a partnership, an affinity group, an organization, a community or beyond, this basic principle of recognizing the authentic individual human being as part of a larger and more significant relational, communal, societal, environmental, and spiritual world is vital. The process of social revolution, of confronting the powerful through protests and occupations and reclamations and expropriations, uh, in refusing to cooperate with the powers of be through strikes and boycotts and mutinies and other forms of interaction, and in building new institutions like cooperatives and popular assemblies and libraries of things. All of those things, all those aspects of social revolution allow us to assert ourselves to recognize the mutual and egalitarian connection of all people. You know, a person with Ubuntu 
is open and available to others, it's affirming to others, I feel threatened that others are evil and good. And so by recognizing, like with Ubuntu, you know, recognizing that you're part of a greater whole, that whole is diminished when others are humiliated or diminished, when others are tortured or oppressed. Uh, and so someone with Ubuntu, someone who recognizes the interconnectedness of all humanity, is someone who has to be engaged in some form of social revolution, who has to be engaged in trying to free people, help people free themselves so that they can engage in their own humanity and so add to your own humanity in turn. And when it comes to the commons, common ownership, you know, the reversal of the enclosure movement, socialization, whatever you want to call it, um, that is also something that ultimately is about the bonds between people, uh, about the distribution of the means of production and of the fruits of all of our labor so that all can enjoy, so that all can have a vested interest in our collective prosperity. Happy Pride from Tomboy X, celebrating pride in the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women, creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection, obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes three extra small through 6X. Visit tomboyx.com. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. When it comes to, you know, community work, 
Ubuntu is about this idea that we can work together, you know, in growing our food and distributing when we need um, this idea that being a mother or being a father, being a parent, is not just about being that to your own biological children, but rather in recognizing that we are all connected in that way. It's it's like a it's like an understanding that there should not be this idea of orphans, right? This idea that we're all meant to look out for each other, that no person is meant to be cut off from the sort of care um, that is necessary for growing to a fully realized person. I mean, even in the realm of education, you see potential applications of Ubuntu in recognizing that everyone has different skills and strengths, that people are not isolated, and that through mutual support, they can help each other to complete themselves, as Audrey Tang argues. I mean, I think there needs to be an education that recognizes uh, the importance of community, societal, and environmental well-being. Uh, one that emphasizes the connection between all of those things. One that involves interaction, participation, um, recognition, respect, and inclusion as core tenants of the learning process. Um, of students learning from facilitators and of facilitators learning from students of recognizing that we hold both positions and that those positions are held from the moment we're born to the moment we eventually pass on. As rich as the potential of Ubuntu may be, I don't want to put it out as if it's some sort of like flawless and perfect philosophy, right? It's not above critique. It's not immune, as I mentioned before, to hierarchical interpretations and applications. It's very much ripe for liberal sensibilities, as we've seen departments of state speaking of Ubuntu diplomacy um, and Ubuntu foreign policy uh, and that sort of thing. Um, Sam Kange's idea that, you know, part of Ubuntu is that the king owes a status, including all the powers associated with it, to the will of the people under him. I mean, right now, and for a while now, Ubuntu has not had a, a single solid framework of what exactly it entails, what it makes up, what it doesn't. Um, there's still a lot of fuzziness and inconsistency within different people's interpretations of the definition of Ubuntu. Uh, as one scholar, Nyasha Mboti, has noted, there's an interpretation a certain interpretation of Ubuntu that sees Africans as, you know, naturally interdependent and harmony-seeking, that humanity is given to a person by and through other persons. But there's a sort of a trap in that because humanity is also pretty messy. The relationships between, between people can also be very messy. It's not all sunshine and rainbows, you know. A broken relationship is as authentically human as a harmonious relationship. You know, a broken relationship can also be more ethical than a harmonious relationship. Um, Boti points to, for example, the freedom that follows from a break from oppression, that follows from a break from a relationship of domination to one of freedom. And of course, this idea that harmonious relationships are 
incapable of being oppressive is false, you know. A harmonious relationship can be quite oppressive um, in the dynamics between people that are hidden under that veil of hunky-dory, you know. So, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot to Ubuntu. There's a lot of good to be gleaned, a lot of uh, potential pitfalls to be avoided. Um, so, you know, take what's of value, leave what's not, engage critically, what's your plans, and have a good night. It Could Happen Here is a production of Cool Zone Media. For more podcasts from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com, or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find sources for It Could Happen Here updated monthly at coolzonemedia.com slash sources. Thanks for listening. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. Bean Dad. The Dress. 30 to 50 feral hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday.